Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club. Miss my girls, how's everyone feeling tonight? Feeling good. As I should. Wow, Snitch, a little songstress. That's what happens when you feed me before these. (laughs) Now, you guys, we're into this rhythm of eating before the show, and I think everyone is really feeling the benefits of this. We have energy, and it's really, I don't know why we weren't doing it sooner, so. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. No, because we were going out to dinner And being like fun and fancy. Totally. And now we just are living for the food. For sure. And then to immediately go right to bed. Yeah. No, honestly, it works. Plus in the winter, like it's already so dark by the time we leave. Like in the summer, we can talk. Definitely. And you're pregnant. And I'm pregnant. So I I don't have that much longevity. I understand. Anyway, Snitch, you're feeling so chatty today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. How's everything? How was your month? Haven't seen you since. uh, That's false. Uh, My month was good. Just, you know, it was September and it was great. And I forgot to wake Dana up. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Dana's not here because no one woke her up when September ended. (laughs) She's just a ghost laughing. She's She's just sleeping. She's still sleeping. (laughs) Snitch is also the only person here that still uses Snapchat. So she appreciates my continuing wake me up when September ends Snapchat. For the last 10 years, as long as Snapchat has been around, Dana has posted on September 1st. A picture of her fake sleeping saying, wake me up when September ends. It's real sleeping. And that's, <laughs> it's real sleeping. And that's the kind of content you're missing on Dana's Snapchat. And then on 1001. Hey, no one I told up. you to wake me up. Oh, oh yeah. my God, stop. <laughs> you and Josh are meant for each other. Like, there are so many moments where I'm like, that is so Josh. Every year, baby. Oh, my God. I'm in shock and horror. You have a pending Snapchat for the past five years if you redownload the app. Oh, that's so funny. I had to delete my app because I didn't have enough storage on my phone. And that's why you haven't heard from AC in a while. I didn't even oh, notice. Oh, my God, AC. I didn't even notice. Do you fucking hear that? AC put her blood, sweat, and tears into those videos. How many gigabytes do you have on your phone that you can't... I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Jax, I also deleted Snapchat, and nothing has crossed my mind that I should redownload it, and now I definitely can't. (laughs) Knowing what's waiting for you, you cannot. Never again. Well, Dana, how are you now that September has ended and you've been awoken? I'm awake. I feel great. I'm loving the change in the weather. I just like the fall. I'm I'm happy. I have nothing to complain about. That's so great to hear. Bex, how about you? I'm also feeling good. I'm actually really rejuvenated by this change of season and what it means for the wardrobe. It's mm-hmm. just like ready for mm-hmm. a change of pace. And guys, I also have a new addition to my family and her name is Romy K. My sister had a baby and she's wonderful and gorgeous and delightful and so chunky. So shout out to Romy. Love you, babe. And Liam Henry, number one sushi for life. Number one sushi. Sushi has a sister. And Romy, if you're listening, this one's for you. This one's for you, baby girl. It's never too late, Romy. It's never too Too early. early. (laughs) It's never too early to become a redhead. And maybe you joined us this month. We read A Slow Fire Burning by Paula Hawkins. And so just Definitely to give, was a slow fire. Oh, okay. That burned. Hey, peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your trap until you're called on. <laughs> because this was a Jackie's choice. And you know me. I like to switch it up every time I pick like a different genre. And we've not done a thriller yet. And I just want to say... Um, I know this is technically a thriller, but it really didn't feel it like It wasn't one. thrilling. It wasn't like, I didn't have the adrenaline, which by the way, like I'm fine with because I don't need that sort of like panic in my life right now. <laughs> um, it just felt very much like storytelling about a murder. So that was interesting. I'll summarize the book in a second, but we 
read this book. Paula Hawkins is the author of The Girl on the Train, which is, you know, a world-renowned thriller. It was also a movie, Emily Blunt. So her new book came out. Snitch almost chose it. Snitch, imagine if this was a snitch's choice. I mean, Hashem is truly always looking out for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to do a thriller, but I still feel like we haven't really gotten, like, the thriller vibes yet. So, you know, if anybody wants to do that for the next one, just think about it. Anyways, I'm going to give a quick summary of the book for anyone who didn't read it, and then we'll get into it. Perfection. Fabulous. So A Slow Fire Burning opens up. It's told from multiple perspectives, a little bit going in and out of time, but they let you know when time is going in and out. Three women, Miriam, Carla, Laura, all know this one man, Daniel Sutherland, takes place in London, but it feels like the smallest town on earth (laughs) because everybody knows everybody and they live on one long street. (laughs) Um, Daniel Sutherland is found murdered in his houseboat and we're going to find out who did it. Laura is a young girl who had just, you know, had relations with Mr. Sutherland. She seems like the obvious suspect. She has a history of violence, anger. But it's clear from the beginning that she didn't do it because she's an honest gal and you know, you can tell from someone's, like, emotional narrative. It was clear she was being, like, she was just a convenient suspect. Then we have Carla, who is Daniel Sutherland's aunt. There's a very long, dark family history there between Carla and her sister Angela. And Angela was babysitting Carla's son one day, and he fell off the balcony in her house and died. And that has just, like, totally colored their family story. Very sad. Carla was married to Theo. Shout out to do to do do to do That's all I thought about. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And obviously losing their son caused such a fracture in the relationship that they ultimately divorced, but they still are very much in each other's lives and like together but not together, just living separately down the street. I don't know. Sounds kind of nice. <laughs> and then there's Miriam, who is the nosy neighbor, who's actually the one who discovers Mr. Sutherland. She, there's something about her that we can't quite quite put our finger on she's like lying for the right reasons and telling the truth for the wrong reasons and it turns out she actually has an interesting history as well she was abducted when she was a teenage girl and she wrote her story in a memoir that was then plagiarized by Theo do to do and she wants to get back at Theo for stealing her life story and turning it into like a huge best-selling hit he is a very acclaimed author so it's a whodunit and by the end we find out who did it and I liked this book because It wasn't like some random person came in that you couldn't have seen coming, some ex from Daniel's past who did it. It was like one of these three people, and Mm -hmm. it's just pretty straight up. So, spoiler alert, Carla did it because she found out that back in the day, Daniel pushed his cousin slash her son, Ben, down the stairs on purpose. Didn't push him, but um, led him to fall. Or it was just him and his imagination. Right, which brings up the question of Verity. Was anybody else having a Verity experience? No, because Verity was good. No, No, I didn't, but that makes so much sense. Because in Verity, she finds this book that Mm -hmm. shows that she's like this evil person, but it turns out maybe it was just a writing exercise. Daniel, they find this graphic novel where he spells out, you know, how he threw the truck down the balcony so the boy would go chase it. But was it just, you know, a way for him to process his grief and what he saw? We don't know. It was giving me Verity vibes. We'll get into all of that. So Carla ultimately goes to jail. There's a bunch of other subplots happening. A dog was murdered along the way. Yeah. So unnecessary. Like, justice for Dixon. Justice for Dixon. I'm sure Knowles was, like, quaking at that part. She oh, was my like, God. Where was going off? Theo like, was the dog owner. Theo was the dog owner. My, how the tables have turned. <laughs> Everything is different in London. <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to realize we were in London? How oh, long? Maybe like 40%. Just now. <laughs> okay, but it didn't make that much of a difference. I don't know. I mean, it's just like a lot of things started clicking. I was like, why are they talking like that? No, I had the exact same thought <laughs> when Jackie asked, like, how's it going so far? I was like, you know, it's good. <laughs> However, I don't really understand what they're saying. That's so funny because then you said that and I was reading the book and I was like, what doesn't she understand? <laughs> like, it's... No, there was like some like random ass sentences. No, that like, you were like there this are some is... like, like there are some like London tings. Like you know, she goes for a snack. She has digestives. Yeah, yeah that, that was weird. I will like that's in every book. And by the way, you and I always talk about how a lot of the books that we read, me and Margot, are at, weirdly set in London because yes. like there's just a lot of like uh, British authors who write like rom coms. Like Sophie Kinsella is one of my favorite authors, and they're all set in London. So I feel like I'm always reading about digestives. <laughs> I think it's just like a tea biscuit. It, it definitely is. is. Yeah, I think of tea biscuits. Yeah, me too. But it's stuff like that that, you know, highlights the differences. So let's get into our thoughts on the book. Let's do it. Usually I start with the person who chose it, but since I've been speaking ad nauseum, I'm going to start with someone I think is a neutral party here. And I'm going to start with Rebecca. 
Oh, what a treat. I enjoyed this book. I felt as though it was a little long at mm-hmm. times. I felt it, like there were so many subplots and I wasn't positive all of the necessary like reasons why there were so many subplots. Um, but I thought that the characters I connected with, I thought like had a lot of empathy for Laura. I was like puzzled by Carla for a long time and like she was just like someone that was obviously so hurt and you were kind of unpacking that throughout the journey. Um, I thought the Theo Miriam of it all and like the plagiarized book, I like don't totally know like how relevant that was. Like can, can do you, does anybody agree with me? Like, yeah. And like the whole part at the end when like Jeremy and like all that, he's just back and then dead. Like, I don't know. That was weird. It never really got solved for me. And I was like, it, it doesn't seem like anybody is getting like the vengeance or like what they need out of this plot. So I'm not sure why it's here. I would have loved for it to be exposed, but it wasn't. So I was like, okay. Um, I thought it was a very solid read. I enjoyed my time with it. And that's, that's sort of like, I don't know. Like it, it was great, but not the best and not the worst. Yeah. That's how I feel about this book. Like, I don't think we're going to find anybody who loved it. And I don't think we're going to find anybody who hated it. If we're not looking at Snatcher, I didn't, before I get to you, I'm not ready for you yet. Dana, what did you think? I liked it. I thought it was solid. I agree and didn't feel passionately one way or the other. I agree with you that I enjoyed that it wasn't some mysterious person came out at the end to do it. Like, the whole time I'm like, oh, it's Theo. He's an asshole. Oh, it's Miriam. She's a weirdo. Oh, it's Carla. So, like, the fact that it was one of them, I was like, at one point in this book, I thought it was this person. Yes. And I was right at some point. Yeah. I actually kind of liked all the interweaving plots. It was a little too much and hard for me I honestly to like keep up at times with who is who but I I could use a book on like Miriam's past the one that got away like I want to read that next that oh, was yeah. a more interesting plot we to never me, really got the full story of what happened to her well like, we kept they, hearing like random parts and that was how the book was written like they kept saying like oh we played with timelines and perspectives and like that kind of had the effect when it was interspersed randomly throughout the book in different orders but ultimately like I prefer that plot line. Yeah, it was so interesting. I agree. But Snitch, you feel justified when so many times throughout the book, like when Irene was like, I hate when they jump around. Just tell the story from beginning to end. Yes, of course I did. I highlighted it. I called you last night. I highlighted it so that I could bring it up here. But when I called you last night, it was because I wanted to be like, do you feel vindicated that in this book they're talking about the thing that you hate most? Yes. Yes. But also it was like hypocritical because that's what they were doing in the book. That we were currently reading. I guess. They didn't jump around timelines, though. Like, in someone's chapter, they flash back, but they never started a chapter five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, one time you're reading one one plot line, and then all of a sudden you're reading another one. I'm like, I don't know if this is present or if this is current. Like, I'm not really keeping up. Got but it. I will say that Irene was my favorite character. Oh, my God. So random. I loved Who her. Who was? Irene. Irene. Oh. Irene. She was so cute. She was cute. Um, listen. Listen. I didn't hate the book. Okay. I just didn't like it. Okay. I couldn't get through it. Like, I, I, it was dragging. I really was so uninterested in all of it. I didn't give a fuck who killed <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> like, I didn't care at all. I just wanted it to be over. But was it interesting? Sure. Was, were there twists and turns? Maybe. I just didn't like it. Okay, the Sanchez. Okay. <laughs> Now, I'll share that I did like this book. I mostly liked it because I've been having such a hard time reading this month. Like, when we share other books that we've read, I'm at, like, record lows. It's been hard for me to, like, even find a book that I want to read. So that's why I'm just, like, great. That's why I love the book club, like, on months like this that we do Redheads. Because it's, like, I'm going to read a book at one book a month at least. Mm-hmm. And so it got me back into reading. And it was really, I found, digestible with a side of digestives. <laughs> and with a tea on the kettle. So I was grateful to the book for that, that it just like brought me back to the Kindle and I was into it and that I enjoyed my time with it. Like I spent all night reading it last night and those are the nights that I've missed. I haven't had a night like that in a while. That's a good point. So for that, I'm grateful. I, it wasn't Girl on a Train. You know, it was not that. It did take a while for me to care, but I did feel like the pieces were eventually put into place and I was caring and curious. Again, not the best thriller I've read, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I could also see myself in like two months being like completely having forgotten this book, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So like kind of like We Are the Brennans. I'm like struggling to remember the names (laughs) Oh, man, I've been thinking about We Are the Brennans. I only think about We Are the Brennans when I'm on the Taconic Parkway and we're passing by Mamaroneck. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, (laughs) Mamaroneck is now synonymous with We Are the Brennans. It's so funny. No, I forgot about my association with it. Yeah. So, okay, we have a mixed 
reviews here, mixed bags. So let's get into the DBQs. But before we do that, I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Acorn TV, which is one of my favorite apps. As it gets colder, I love finishing my day curled up and cozy on my couch watching TV. Nothing sounds better, truly, especially when the shows are must watch like I'm always finding on Acorn TV. Acorn TV is the largest commercial free British streaming service that features compelling stories, exclusive premieres and originals you won't find anywhere else. With Acorn TV, there's always something new to discover. It has hundreds of exclusive shows from around the world, including award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more. From production to performances, the series you'll find on Acorn TV are exceptional and refreshing because they're cleverly written, visually striking, and feature renowned actors like David Tennant and Thandie Newton. One of my favorite shows that I'm really looking forward to watching is Midsummer Murders. They're on season 22, which just premiered last <laughs> week, and you know it's a good show when it has that many seasons. Plus, I watched one of my all-time favorite shows on Acorn TV. It is called A Place to Call Home. You can still watch it. It's like five, six seasons, and it was like the best show I watched of 2020, no lie. So download Acorn TV to see what I'm talking about. You get thousands of new enthralling content on Acorn TV for a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services at just $5.99 a month. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use our promo code BOOK but you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV code book, B-O-O-K, all lowercase, to get your first 30 days free. I'm so excited that we're partnering with Acorn. Like that app changed my life. They have the most premium content. And if you're into British TV shows and like crime series, it's you'll never be bored. Now time for the DBQs. Thank you to Penguin's Reader Guide. First question. Yeah, it's like you did not come up with these. <laughs> Why? Why didn't I come up with them? They're just, you know, shots fired, Snitch. Yes, yeah, Snitch is coming in hot tonight. Coming it's fine. I can handle it. But snitch I like an involved hot. snitch, you know? I love an involved snitch. Yeah, what would you rather? <laughs> A, a snitch that loved what we read. That's always a good okay, snitch. Okay, but I feel but like I've been, I've been more positive in the past few episodes because, you know, everyone says I'm always the one who hates it. I've been very positive in the past few episodes. This yeah. one, not so much. What did we read before We Are the Brennans? Clara and the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Never Don't mind. mention that in front of me. <laughs> yeah, real positive snitch. <laughs> Clara <laughs> and the Moon Stars. Whose book was that? Oh. I miss Clara. Hot take. Oh, same. I feel like you think about her a lot. I do think about Clara because um, Brew is my AF and now I just see <laughs> the world differently knowing that he is my Clara like I just everything's just everything's falling different. into place yeah understood okay DBQs first up Daniel Sutherland's death raises questions about three women each of whom has experienced some form of loss or trauma in her past how does the past of each woman influence the way she moves through the world how much of the focus is on their current behavior and how much is about the scars from their pasts I mean that's a really interesting way to frame it because it influences the way they move through the world both mentally and physically mm -hmm, I feel mm -hmm. like the gates of each of the women were very focused on like even from their own POV and also from other people like seeing them it just was an interesting way to share more of their character I felt like each of them were so predominantly influenced by these traumatic events from their past yeah. it felt like I knew past Laura past Carla past Miriam almost more than I knew their present personalities like, we just heard so much about Laura's accident, about the death of Carla's son and Miriam's abduction. And I felt like it colored basically their every move and, like, our perception of them. Yeah. But I do think, you know, obviously everybody has things in their past that have that are difficult but these are like three extreme extreme yeah, that's examples. What I was say. You know, and so it's so hard when it's something like that to not let it affect everything that you do in your life yeah each was more traumatizing than the last right and it really directly influenced like not only how they behaved in the world but what they were looking for like Miriam just wanted revenge mm -hmm. from what had happened to her like Laura just wanted love because her mom abandoned her and like all she was looking for was someone in her family to care mm -hmm. yeah Carla just wanted peace like she was so he would at discomfort and like anxious and she was I don't know like I feel like she the whole book was seeking some pacification for all the trauma that occurred to her and like yeah. everyone's thing that they were looking for was so directly correlated with what happened to them wow well said yeah, yeah. 
The book opens with a passage that we later learn is part of a novel that was written by another one of the characters, Theo Meyerson, and further passages continue to intersperse the larger narrative. What information or perspective did you gain from this interwoven novel within the novel? How does that crime novel compare or relate to the one that Hawkins, the author, has written? At what point did you connect Theo's novel to Miriam's story about herself? And what does Hawkins achieve by presenting these two accounts in their different forms? What questions does it raise about truth and storytelling or about power and who gets to wield it? So I know you guys thought that that narrative was like superfluous to the story, and I agree, like, it could have been its own book, sort of. But I really enjoyed it. And once I realized that the one that got away was Theo's book based on Miriam's memoir, like, then I really started to enjoy when those segments came up mm-hmm. in between the chapters. And I think it added a lot of value to the book. And seeing, like, the different ways a crime novel can be written, like the fact that that was a jumpy thriller, the one that got away, and the fact that this one was very, like... Um, jumpy? No, straightforward narrative, like beginning and end, just like what Irene said. Mm-hmm. It it was cool to see it juxtaposed that way. Yeah. This is embarrassing, but when there were sections that was the one that got away, I didn't realize that it was snippets from Theo's book. I just thought it was flashbacks to Miriam's life. Well, but same, the same thing. thing. It's Which, the same, yeah. but like... I should have put it together that it was snippets from the one that got away, a.k.a. the title of Theo's book. Oh, <laughs> do you not realize that till we were sitting here right Correct. Now? Got it. Yeah, that's, I under- that's a little slow on the pickup. Yeah, yeah, I understand that it was, like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that it was actually his book. I was confused. There was one, the one that got away snippet that was, like, the two girls walking out of the bar had, like, a lot of gin and tonics and... Then they got picked up by the guy. Mm-hmm. But it felt Miriam. like there were... It was what? That was Miriam and her friend. So it wasn't them skipping school. Like, it felt like there were so many moments of, like, them doing something and getting abducted. But, but didn't I was like, they also say that they went to a bar and the guy wouldn't serve them? It's because they kept jumping in timeline in his book. Like, that was the characteristic of the one that got away. So, like, in the beginning, you read about when she's running from him and she falls in the ditch. And then later, you read about when they're skipping school and drinking at a bar. And it's in, like, not chronological order. So it was confusing at first because you're like, wait, now they're at the bar? I thought she was abducted. But it's just because they're flashing forward and backwards. Yes, and we hear about the abduction in Theo's novel. And we also hear it in Miriam's flashback. Okay, there was also a part where he drives past her and she's like safe mm-hmm. and runs to the gas station. That was her real life. The part where he drives past her and then gets in the woods with her and then like starts to attack her and then says she could go but she kills him. That's Theo's book. Okay, Got but it. what about when she was like in when he gets her and she's like in a room like in like a prison? That's both. Mm. I'm confused. She was locked in a room in the farmhouse mm-hmm. and she escaped through a window. That is the truth and that is also in Theo's book. Hmm. A lot of, there were a lot of things that did happen to her that he stole directly from her story and then he also changed some stuff which I think for her and also clearly eventually for the killer himself was very offensive to them. Yeah, I loved when the killer was like, how did you know about the song? Yeah. And Miriam's like, I didn't write, like, how to, it's not me who's sending you those letters. Yeah, but it's crazy how when you're reading something, like, when she said it wasn't me who sent it, I believed her instantly. Yeah. Like, I was like, it's crazy how when you're reading something, or even when you're watching a TV show, it's like, you can tell when someone's lying, and you can tell when someone's telling the truth, but it's not like that in real life. I would have to ask a million times, yeah. did you write it? She would say no. I would, I would ask so many times. <laughs> and a crowning right? characteristic of his novel that they kept going back to was, like, sympathizing with the narrator like the reason it was such a successful novel is because you feel bad for the victims and the girls and you also feel bad for the abuser like that seemed to be the thread and that's how I felt reading this book like when I was hearing Miriam I'm like oh Theo's a huge asshole when I was reading Theo I was like oh I feel kind of bad for Mm -hmm. Theo when I was reading Carla I was like screw Angela like everything that you read it's kind of the narrator who sets the tone for sympathy yeah it's true but it's also just goes to show like you never know what someone's going through yeah until like until you so and even with Daniel still you know like on the one hand he's the most sympathetic character he's dead the whole time but then on the other hand he is the worst the worst but then on the other hand you remember like when he had those bruises on his neck it's like yeah yeah depending on where your vantage point is yes. anybody can be the victim or the villain totally Next. totally <gasps> Next, Laura, Carla, Irene, Miriam, and Theo are all grieving in different ways. Some of it is new grief and some of it is old grief that has recently been resurrected by recent events. What is the relationship between grief and rage, grief and action versus inaction, grief and forgiveness? That's a big question. 
Grief is a big That's topic. a lot of correlations. <laughs> That's a lot of correlations. Dana, want to break it down for us? Um, I'm not really like breaking down all of those factors, but one of my favorite parts of the book actually was when Miriam described how she kept the dog tag of the puppy that she murdered. And she was quick to note that like it wasn't because of the reason most psychopaths keep something from the scene of the crime because they want to relive it and it like gives them life to think about the crime they did she kept it for actually an opposite reason which is it reminded her that transferring anger from one thing to another did not help like killing the dog to try to satiate everything that she was feeling did not then make her feel better yeah so like i just think that's an important life lesson like if you're really upset about something you have to deal with that directly and the source that's making you upset instead of projecting it on other things to make you feel better because it's not gonna help Right, and I wonder if you apply that to Carla, like at the end of the day, I mean, she when she goes to prison and she completely owns up to her crimes and she was like, knowing that Daniel did what he did, how could I ever allow him to take breath on this earth ever again? But see, I think that was more in depth because it wasn't just like he killed my son I can't allow him to live it was like I have feelings for this guy and that was the most twisted subplot of this entire book she's like I I feel like she thought there's a chance that he could tell me that it was made up and I would believe him and continue to have this like sexual affair with him and I can't live with myself for the sheer possibility that he may have killed my son to let myself like into this man's home so I have to kill him to not even like open that window but that's so crazy because couldn't she you just said sexual affair. Did they have sex? Okay, okay. But like, I, I thought that that was just like, I didn't know if that was ever confirmed. It I, wasn't. It was it, not. It wasn't it confirmed. Was, it was definitely like insinuated, but I, I need to discuss with I the group. I thought it was insinuated that like Daniel was a creep like watching her naked, no, not that she felt the same no, way. No, she talked about how her own feelings were she a little did. dicey. She did. But I don't think, like maybe it's left up for us to infer, but I don't think that they ever had sex. I definitely think that he was creepy like the creepy drawing but say she say she did have these weird feelings for him and then she were to confront him and ask if he did this and then she could even if he said no like couldn't she then divorce her relationship with him from like why does it have to be we have a weird Jon Snow Daenerys relationship or I have to kill you you know what I mean like why couldn't she be like oh you know what I can't be sure that you did or you didn't I'm not coming to your houseboat anymore to get naked drawings. I don't think she trusted herself to just be able to silo those feelings off so easily. Like I think she's she so knew, in love with her nephew. Kind of like she knew that deep down she'd always have this creepy ass tendency towards him, and like the only way to cut it off was to kill no. him. And I think she had all of these associations with like her Angela issues and her Daniel issues, and like him on this earth meant that she like couldn't have the revenge for that she couldn't like deal with the Angela of it all like she like was starting to feel so guilty about her sister and like she was like I gotta do this for Angela because I felt like well also justice for Angela at the end of the day she literally did nothing wrong and her life was ruined well she was sleeping off a hangover while no I feel like saying like bringing a man to your home when you are babysitting your nephew and have a young son I understand but if the young son didn't do what he did yeah she didn't leave the door open she didn't leave the door open she drank on the job but like she did she wasn't as negligent as definitely seemed like she was yeah and if it wasn't for Daniel, Ben would still have been alive. Yes. He would have been sure alone roaming the house, but the door wouldn't have been open. Ew, remember the scene when uh, um, Carla walks into the boat after Laura had just left and she was like describing how it smelled like sex and it like made her feel jealous. <laughs> oh my God. So I, I think you might have heard that line. Yeah, no, that. She didn't where... say it that explicitly, but she's like, there was something in me that felt weird. Yeah. Oh God. That's wrong. So wrong. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there was a part where he, like, nuzzled himself into her neck. I, like, highlighted it, and I was like, this is not okay. No, this is really wrong. I really tried to glaze over these instances, though now I'm remembering them. And And there was another one they were going to kiss her on the lips. Yes, yes. But I just thought that was all him being freaky. Yeah, it was, but, like, she was acknowledging that she wasn't 100% platonic in her reciprocation. That at is least so emotionally, wrong. Not Especially when you have a man like Theo waiting for you. Just a, <laughs> he, a yeah. decent plagiarist <laughs> who wants your love. True. He was so in love with her. I Ugh. know. In some of these cases in the grief, the source of the grief is parent-child relationship. Are those traumas harder to get over? Why or why not? I mean, yeah, I think that's like how the saying goes, you know? Yeah. The fe- Like bearing a child is an unnatural yeah. experience. Yeah, definitely. So I can understand why, considering, if not that traumas are meant to be compared to one another, but looking at the trauma scale, <laughs> I would, you, if you say that, I mean, I don't know if... I would say Carla had the most trauma, but 
I don't know. I, it, you can't really judge. You know, I'm sure like being abducted and your best friend being killed is pretty traumatic. traumatic as well. And then also like, you know, getting hit by a car and having to learn how to speak and walk in. And then every- finding out that your parents lied to you and like. And that you were run over by the person who's having an affair with your mother. <laughs> yeah, who also like used to play soccer with you. Yeah, no, it's all, it's yeah, all pretty it's bad. All bad. We see the refrain, it's not my fault, repeated multiple times over the course of the novel, mostly by Laura. Do you agree? Are there things that are truly out of Laura's hands? Is there a difference between accountability and culpability here? To what degree is she alone to blame her for her problems and mistakes? To what degree is she herself a victim? I don't know. I feel like she's not to blame for really any of them. I think that she wouldn't have made these poor choices if she hadn't gotten into that accident. Or Yeah, of course. She was like a star camper exactly so like i don't really know that she can be blamed yeah but there are like coping strategies like if someone grabs your boob at a bar you don't need to stab their hand with a fork even though it's inappropriate to have that done to you like yes maybe the accident she has absolutely no impulse control but i feel like she wasn't really working hard to get to gain some i agree i don't think i think that you know some things are what they are but i do think there are coping mechanisms i think there's medications classes and even you know she had that voicemail from the psychiatrist who was like if you don't come you can't come anymore so it's not like she was prioritizing finding those coping mechanisms so i still like i I feel for her and I don't want to say that it's her fault you know so much of it is out of her control but I just you know it's frustrating because she keeps getting herself into these crazy awful yeah. situations yeah. where she's like this close to losing her freedom yeah you know and it's like what needs to happen for you to like say you know what I need to get this under I know it's out of my control but I need to try something, something. to get it under my control yeah I, I think that she was at such a dis- disadvantage in so many aspects. And I think that her family, her parents just basically abandoned her and was like, y- you got to figure this out. And then maybe it was a form of tough love because they probably bailed her out so many times. But it definitely broke my heart seeing like, how, how close she was to ruining her life so many times, like you were saying, Jax, and just like not able to put in the effort to rectify the things that she had done to like improve her life even marginally. And... I like luckily like none of us are in that position but I can't imagine like if you were like how how like lost you can feel at times and like unable to help yourself yeah but I also think on the one like she could have sought out better coping coping mechanisms but on the other hand like what she was really searching for was love like from her parents and the minute she got that from Irene I feel like things really turned around for her so it's like if only the world had or even her family had just given her the bare minimum it, she wouldn't have been so totally like badly off yes agreed so it's it's everyone's fault correct feeling a kinship with laura Miriam lies in order to protect her from the suspicion of the detectives but all the characters at the center of the novel lie at some point in order to defend their truth whose motives did you find the hardest to understand the easiest or most relatable I didn't, like, really get why Miriam felt a, such a kinship with Laura. Like, yeah, they're both crazies, but it made more sense to me from her perspective of wanting to get back at Theo. Like, yeah. that resonated more because yeah. he directly offended her. Yeah. And I thought it was also ironic that, like, cl- cl- can I say the word Clara? I don't know. I know. You're, like, <laughs> Clara, like and Clara and the sun. Yeah, Clara like, and the sun. <laughs> really struggling, but she hid from her husband that she was seeing Angela. But Theo also hid from Clara that he had seen Angela. So it's like the two of them are trying to protect Clara. each other when really they, if they had more of an open dialogue, like there would be no need for secrets. Yeah. Also, like, I just think it's so, it's, I totally understand Miriam. Like, yes, he stole your story. But, like, does that mean that you should try and, like, frame people for murder? Well, she was trying to frame Clara. She was also Carla. trying. Carla. <laughs> Carla. Carla. Oh, we keep saying Clara. She was also just trying to fuck with them a little bit. I don't yeah. think she was trying to f- send Clara to a prison for a murder she didn't commit. But I think she wanted them to feel the burn a little bit yeah. and to take some of their power away. I don't think. feel a slow fire oh, burning. Also, I don't think she was really thinking through you know, the big lie of, like, what it could eventually mean. Because she even said, like, you know, she really did think Laura did it. Yeah. So, and she was trying to save the person that she thought did it. But I don't think at the end of it, like, I think she expected that the police would find the, the killer, but that she would, you know, make it a little uncomfortable It was for a them. funny. Make it hard for them. There was a funny part where she's like, wait, I was trying to lead you to Carla, and she actually did it, and I was trying to lead you away from Laura, and she had nothing to do with it. Yeah, so she was actually helping. <laughs> yeah. Wait. 
Do you guys remember when Miriam was by Theo's house? It was towards the end of the book and she saw someone driving past in a car. Yes. Okay. So that's the only thing to me that's like a loose end that was not tied up. She saw like a guy with white hair in a wheelchair. That was the killer. I'm pretty sure that was the killer. He was back in town. So then why did she act so shocked by Theo in the letter? I don't know. That was honestly, I feel like that was an editing like mistake that they didn't finish it. No, I feel like it wasn't. She saw him. The hair stood up on her neck, but she wasn't sure why. And then we find out that the killer is still alive. And like then we piece together that that was the killer. So the hair stood up, but she didn't know it was him. No, she just had like an intuition, like a suspicion, like why the hell. I didn't read it like that. I read it on like she like there was some recognition there and the hair stood up. It might have been recognition, but she probably was like, uh, there's no chance that this is like I'm recognizing this for real like he's definitely dead but the deep down her body was like ring the alarm like something is up here like this man is triggering you to have the hair stand up on the back of your neck interesting interesting i thought that that was such like a plot hole no i I feel like right away i was like oh the second that Theo was reading these letters, I was like, oh, he's still alive, and that was him that oh she saw. Oh, my God, you're smarter than I am. Like, yeah, I, I did, did not, not pick put up that together. That Obviously not, because I didn't 100%. know no. that there were snippets of the book spliced in. Yeah, no, but all together, we're getting a full yes. picture. Mm. Next, slow fire refers to the process by which the paper in books becomes brittle over time as a result of acidification, wherein the acid comes from within the paper itself. Analyze how the novel plays with this idea. Okay, this was just another thing for me. When it's explained in this question, I can maybe put something together. But I do feel like the title did not appropriately capture the book. Totally, totally agree. When you said the name of this book that we were recounting today, I was like, what book is that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me as a girl did not read that book. But I do feel like if, you know, if we need to apply the title, and clearly it's not about like a physical fire, but it's like this book that Theo wrote is like eating itself like it's eating him up it's eating Miriam up it's a catalyst behind why Miriam's gonna like frame his wife like these words are like burning up everybody's life for yeah. sure it's like self-imploding like everyone is like self-imploding their own lives like Laura is destroying her life like whether she realizes it or not not taking control of the necessary tactics to to manage her emotions and and impulses like every character I feel like is like blowing their own lives up yeah but I also think it could be like a metaphor for you know like the book being a person's life and how your past and your history like will just sort of burn you up Mm -hmm. inside I like that deep jacks there was also isn't convinced I'm not but just like think about Laura like think of her as like a book and all these things in the past like they're just like the pages of the book turning to flames like it's just burning her up counts. I just don't get it. You don't see it. No. There was also a direct reference, which I think, I agree, I think the title is much more metaphorical than this, but in the book when um, Irene is reading through all of Angela's old books and some she has to just throw away because the pages are exactly as that description, like yeah. burned up because it's been so long. That's what I thought too. And the books were really important because that's like where she found the letters and how she kind of put together everything. So like, I guess that was the most literal reference to that thing. But in general, I think the title is much more. I also more thought it was weird that Miriam like didn't try and take that book back after they were literally like brawl you know like that was like her number one like prize possession she just like let the woman that she just literally like physically fought with take it I think she she well she has no use for that manuscript she's never going to publish it the story's already out there I think but she's such a keeper of things no I mean the story lives inside of her I think she just wanted anybody else to read it like she was just looking for someone like that's why she gave it to Theo like in the first place she just wanted someone to hear her fucking story so even if it's this crazy bitch (laughs) from down the street she's like just please just read it if if you're gonna punch me please just read my book (laughs) yeah that was crazy. I was like, this girl, really? No, and like, what was with all the characters going into each other's homes without knowing? And everybody there is like a suspected murder. And like, yeah, I'm going to go onto your houseboat that has like one tiny entrance and exit. Yep. Yep. Okay, next. What was the biggest surprise of the book for you? Was it the identity of Daniel's killer or was the why and the how the bigger shock? Great question. For me, it was the creepy-ass relationship between yeah. Carl and Daniel. I could not get past it. It was so disturbing. Mm. For me, it was Irene saving the day with her recording app. Like, that was, that awesome. was so clutch. When she was yeah. having the conversation, I knew that that recording app was going to come into, into play when Laura first told her about it. But when she came and confronted Carla, and I was just like, girl, what is you doing? Like, you are a frail woman. Like, you can't just be going into people's homes <laughs> and having hard conversations. But she did it. Like, yes, and I think she knew that too, but she did it because she was going to get the truth out. And I 
I could see it coming, but I was as Carla was saying those things, I wasn't like, oh, Irene is recording. Yeah. Me that, no, that I loved in that scene when Carla was like, um, Irene, when you're done breaking into this house for the 50th time, can you just leave <laughs> yeah. the key by the door so you stop breaking into this house? And Irene's like, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah. say my biggest surprise was that Jeremy was still alive, that he was not dead as we once thought. Oh, that was insane. That was like the time throughout the book that I was actually genuinely surprised. The rest of it, like was pieced together slowly and surely. You know what? When they said, like, we found his foot, I was like, that's curious. Like, we're, like I wonder. But then I completely forgot about it. No, I thought they found his foot. And then later when she saw him, he was in a wheelchair. So it's like, okay, maybe it still was his foot. Yeah. But the rest of him is wheeling around. Okay, last question of the DBQs. The book begins and ends with the character of Irene. How is Irene's role in the book different from that of the other women? What does she bring to the story that no one else can, both in terms of plot and in terms of perspective? I'm going to throw to the snitch because Irene was her favorite character. I think that she like brought perspective. Like Everyone was coming in hot because they had all of these things happen to them. Like Everyone had an agenda, mm-hmm. and she didn't. She was just seeing things as they played out, and she was like, wait, this is weird. That's wrong. Yeah, she like, really put everything together that as the reader, you're like, wait, this person needs to know about this and that, and like she figured mm-hmm. all of these things out, and it was very validating to have her like, know all of these things and then do the right appropriate stuff with the information yes. her yeah. biggest asset is that everyone overlooked her so that yeah. her secret weapon was okay you're not going to think I'm capable of anything I'm going to be the one to crack this case yeah why do you think she was so intent on exposing Carla as the killer like why did she not well because she loved Laura yeah and they already had Laura Theo. was already was already let yeah. well go. I think the fact that Laura was attacked like because she was wrongfully in prison, like just made it even more unjust for Irene. And the fact that like someone is going to jail for Daniel's death, like, and Carla's just going to let it be someone that didn't kill him. I will say like, I didn't care at that point if it was Theo or Carla. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. feel any sense of justice when Carla got into jail instead of Theo. I would have been fine if like Theo took the fall for her. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, like, Carla needed... I think Carla is, like, doing well in prison. I think she, like, needed <laughs> yeah. to yeah. get this all of this anger, rage, grief out of her and to serve her time because after she killed Daniel, she was a mess. It's not like she finally felt better. Like, she wasn't sleeping. She was erratic. She was cleaning out Angela's house. Like, she needed to not only, like, deal with the grief, anger, and what she, her guilt, but she also needed to, like, serve the time. So I don't think she was, like, upset to be in prison. I think she was, like... This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now it is time for the moral of the story because there are no redhead questions. Today is the day that Instagram and Facebook were down all day. So I was not able to solicit questions from the readers, but I'm really hoping that we got to, you know, the heart of the matter. Before we get into the moral of the story, this episode is also brought to you by Surviving Dirty John. You may be familiar with Dirty John, but there's so much more to the story. Now in Surviving Dirty John, it's told in Deborah Newell's words with the help of New York Times bestselling author M. William Phelps and the story Surviving Dirty John is a new book featuring insights and revelations never before made public about Deborah, her family, and her relationship with the notorious con man. More than a sensational expose, Surviving Dirty John is a story of trauma, denial, and deception, shedding light on the realities of coercive control from the perspective of a survivor. It's also a story of hope, healing, courage, and love. So if you devoured the Dirty John series and you love true crime, you will love this book, Surviving Dirty John. If you love the book that we just read and you're a thriller, true crime kind of reader, then Surviving Dirty John is for you, or it's the perfect gift for the true crime junkie in your life. There's now new never-before-shared insight into Deborah's life before and after John, and it includes previously unpublished photos. The book is out now. Learn more and get your copy of Surviving Dirty John today by visiting survivingdirtyjohn.com slash book. Now, the moral of the story, I think I'm going to go first because I have one at the tip of my tongue. Do it. Don't judge a book by its cover. Beautiful. You never know what someone's going through until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Amen. Mine is similar. It was, be kind for everyone is fighting a hard battle. Wow, Dana. That's so beautiful. (laughs) And so true. So true. Same sentiment. Same sentiment. Mine was, love can drive you mad. Ooh. Mine is, the past will always catch up with you. 
Ooh, the Ooh. snatcher, snatch him. I don't know if we'd ever had four whole morals. Yeah, this was nice, this lady. Is a yeah, very, this is a very moral podcast. <laughs> now it's time for the Hollywood treatment. I had a really easy time casting Same. this book. Okay, cool. Let's start with Laura, who is the young girl. I had Imogen Poots. Did anyone see the movie That Awkward Moment? No. No, Zac yeah, Efron, a million years ago. Zac Efron and Miles Teller, Michael yeah. Jordan, and the girl. I didn't remember the girl, but... Her name is Imogen Poots, and she is my Laura, and I feel really good about my decision. I feel good about that decision, too, because I feel really not good about my decision. Okay, who do you have? Winona Ryder, because she's, like, a little loopy at times. Yeah, no, the vibe is right, but just, She's like, a little old. She, yeah, she's a little old, considering, like, she would be Carla's. She could be Carla. She could be Carla. Yeah. Both kooky. Dana? I had Kesha. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say, like, obviously... LOL. But I think you're the vibe, you're going somewhere. She's pretty similar to Imogen. Right? Pete. Yeah. Lil mm-hmm. Cray. I had Catherine Langford. Okay. <laughs> She's just an actress. Like, she could do it. Sure. <laughs> sure. Next for Theo, I had Kyle McLaughlin, who is Orson. Orson from Desperate Housewives. He's like from Twin Peaks. He's on every show. He's just like the guy who you don't know if he's the killer or the good husband. I had Colin Firth. Okay, just as we all have the same vibe. Yeah, yeah. I had Robbie Gervais. Who's okay, that? who is that? Robbie Gervais. You know him. You know, who he is. You know him. Robbie Gervais. Robert. Ricky Gervais. <laughs> is it Ricky? The yeah, com- the comedian. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm glad I asked, and we didn't all just sit here like that's normal. I was picturing him, and I was like, I I know who you're saying, so I guess it has to be Robbie Gervais. <laughs> Well, thank you for calling me out. We would have just never realized it. No, and everyone listening would have been like, I guess I don't know that guy. (laughs) I had Victor Carla. He's the professor from Legally Blonde. Professor Callahan. Victor Garber. (laughs) (laughs) His name is Victor Garber. Wow. Carla. Mercury's in retrograde. Okay. Victor Garber. Okay. That's really good. For Carla, I had Kate Blanchett. Great. That's exactly who I was picturing. Could not figure out who she was. Was Googling blonde old actress yeah. for literally two months. Oh, my yeah. God. And I came up with Michelle Pfeiffer, but I really needed. That's, I, I understand. It's an, an easy leap. Thank I you. had Emily Blunt. Okay. Okay. She's British. I, don't know. I had Nicole Kidman. She always plays like yeah. Older. I'm in a timeout with Nicole Kidman after Nine Perfect Strangers. But that leads to our Miriam, who I chose Melissa McCarthy. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good Obviously, one. I picked her too. I picked her oh, because oh she was living in my head from Nine Perfect Strangers. And um, even though the description of Miriam is so unfortunate, like I think that Mar- that Melissa McCarthy could play that like busybody neighbor yeah. who's just like, you don't know if she's a force for good or evil. I picked Margot Nightingale. Who's that? The ma- the grandma from Hannah Montana, the movie. Oh, oh that's my God. really good. That's yeah. really good. I did Tori Spelling. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't even know what she's in. It really feels like like worst choices you've ever had. Kesha was fire. (laughs) Kesha might save you, Dana. Okay, now it is time for our overall rating of The Slow Fire Burning by Paula Hawkins. I'll go first. I gave it a four. That's how I felt when I finished it. I enjoyed it more than a three, less than a five. Hence, four. (laughs) Bex? I gave it a 3.5. Nice. Yeah, that's that's fair. 3.7. Wow. Uh-oh. Here we go. Three. Okay. Divided by four equals our overall Redheads rating for this book is a 3.55. That feels, feels fair. right. Yeah. Fair. That works. Okay. And that concludes our recap. Thank you guys so much for sharing your thoughts. Now let's talk about other books we read this month. I want to hear what everyone was reading while I wasn't. Dana, I feel like you have the most to share. Um, Okay. I will start. I really don't. It was a slow month for me as well. I read The Girls of Slender Means by Muriel Spark. It was trash. This came through from a Colgate email that my old literary professor recommended, and I was obsessed with her and had the best time in intro to literary analysis. But, like, it was reading a book for college. Like, it was a school book. It was not something to read for fun. So I gave it a 2.0. Whoa. Um, then I read This Tender Land by William Kent Kruger. 
amazing. Loved it. Would highly recommend. I gave it a 4.7. Whoa. And then um, a redhead actually DM'd me to read this book called Heavy by Kie Slayman. And I really liked it. It was extremely good. It was a memoir. And I gave it a 3.5. Okay. Nice. Bex? I read a book called The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. This was a Dana recommendation, but it was living on my Kindle already. So perhaps someone else in my Kindle sphere, aka my mother, read this book. It was so un- like life-changing, unbelievable, and just such a- an incredibly raw story and kind of like a coming-of-age story, but like way more than that. It was super long, so like brace yourselves. Wow, um, I'm feeling influenced. You yes, it, it was Jackie. So, it's so good. good. Um, I would rate it like a 4.9. Wow. wow, that's a rave review. It was. Okay, I finished Empty Mansions by Bill Deadman. I had started it before We Are the Brennans, and then I finished it this month. I gave it a 3. It was an interesting premise, true story. Could have been an article. Wish it was an article. Didn't need a whole book about it. And then I read The Social Graces by Renee Rosen. It's a historical fiction book, but it's true. It was about um, Alva Vanderbilt. We know her. Consuelo's mom. Oh, my God. And (sighs) Mrs. Astor, Caroline Astor, and their, like, epic beef in the Gilded Age. And so it was it was good. I got some like good historical factoids out of it, but it did feel like a little silly at times and it inspired me to watch like to learn more about New York history, which was cool. But um the book itself, oh I gave it a four, so I guess I liked it somewhat. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I did. Snatcher? I didn't read anything else. I gotta get back on it. You do, Snatcher. You're like the OG reader. I, What's happening? Don't I know it? I don't know. What I, have you read It Happens One Summer? No, but I bought it. You gotta read it. I know. This is a book everyone's talking about. We've been talking about it on the toast. The porny one? The porny one that to some is so porny and to others is not I'm gonna porny. think it's not at all. You guys thought oh, Red, White, and Royal Blue was that porny. Was porny. That, that was porny. No, it the wasn't. The whole book was God. a porny No, it wasn't. It was porny for people who read The Hearts and Visible Fears, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. Not people oh. who read Fifty Shades. No, not people who read Fifty Shades. Okay, so that's our month in books. And now we are looking ahead to the next month. We have a Becky's Choice. Bex, please let us know what we'll be reading. Absolutely. We will be reading The Kitchen Front by Jennifer Ryan. This is a historical fiction, which is right up Becky's alley. And I'm really excited because there's like a fusion of historical fiction and food, which are two (laughs) passion points for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm very interested to see what folks think of it. But um, I think that it it has something for everybody. And I think it follows four women and uh, like World War II coming to a close. They're in Britain. They're kind of... Um, vying for a position to host a cooking show on the BBC. Oh, love. It sounds good. Yeah, yeah, it does sound good. And you're a heroin addict, as we know. A heroin addict. So this seems <sighs> you have funny. four heroines now. Four. So. Which is so up my alley. I've never yeah. heard that before. <laughs> when we did um, a few weeks ago, I had shared with all of you, you're the trendsetter. Becky's a heroin addict. Oh. I'm the time traveler, and Snitch is a modern romantic. When did you do that? No, I remember that, but I don't recall heroin addict being the terminology. It's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah. Jack's it, great recall. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Glad to hear you're listening to me. <laughs> when did you do that, Snitch? <laughs> Anyways, that's all we read. So thank you guys so much for listening to The Redheads. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Redheads. Always tag us in what you're reading, whether it be a Redheads choice or not, because we love to get suggestions from you guys. We really do. And we've gotten some really good ones from some of The Redheads readers. So make sure to join our Facebook group where we discuss all book tings and we will see you on the next one we'll see you the first thursday in november have a great month everyone oh my god yeah, yeah. birthday That'll time be birthday. jack birthday Yay. week episode eight. Eight. it'll be the eight. last episode before dina's married wow. always thinking of others jacks <laughs> couldn't be in the spotlight on her birthday for too long jack <laughs> bye guys bye